So I think we had to have really good buddies, and it was fun. Um, what would you think the biggest difference is between the O and the A? Would it be just if the guys are bigger, faster? Yeah, I think uh, guys are bigger, faster, stronger, but it's more of a more of a structured game, I would say. In the AHL, there's there's older guys, there's there's guys that know how different plays are gonna end up, and uh, they know kind of what their teammates are gonna do and how things are gonna play out. So it's a little more of a thinking game up at the next level, but it's still the same game. We we've played kind of our whole lives so just because it's it's faster and it's more physical doesn't uh change the game that you're playing it's just you know you got to react a little bit quicker you got to be a little smarter and uh once you do that you, you get a little more comfortable and then you just kind of blend in with the game um what was it like to uh, suit up for Canada, the Holinka, one year? I actually didn't go to Holinka. Uh, oh, yeah, oh, that's right. You got, you got hurt, right? Yeah, she, you're, you're sounding like pretty static right now. I cutting out a little bit. Am I good? It's a little better, yeah. Okay, my phone's on the, on the table. Um... There was some word during the expansion draft that a lot of people were saying uh, Mastron was going to get picked up by uh, Seattle. I personally wasn't one of them, but what, what were your thoughts on uh, that? Do you think he was going to be picked up? You never really know with an expansion team, right? They, you don't know if they want to go with more of a veteran group or if they want to take some younger guys and, and try and develop. But um, he ended up not getting picked up. It was uh, a little bit of a relief for me. I'm hoping he's back in, in Dallas because he's a good friend. Um, really good guy to be around, so I wouldn't want to lose him like that. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's always going to be people talking and, and, you know, coming up with different stories and, and trying to figure out different things in the world. But you just can't really listen to, to all the outside noise. You just got to kind of keep it in-house and, and just kind of react to whatever happens. From what I remember, it looks like he's due up for a new a new Conti. Do you think he'll, he'll stay or do you think he'll look for something else? I'm not sure. Uh, I haven't really. That's more his, his business. Uh, him and his agent, whatever they work out, I'll be happy for him. Regardless of what happens, obviously I'd love to see him, see him back and uh, play with them for however many years, but you know it's also a business, and and you got to do what you got to do to uh, make money and get in the lineup and play. So uh, I'll support him with any any decision he makes from here on out. But yeah, it'd be it'd be nice to have him back for sure. You won Rookie of the Year. Uh, what was that feeling like? And uh, did you think you were going to nail it like that out of the park, or I just went in. You know, level-headed. Um, I knew my game was at a place where I can I can elevate a little bit and you know fit into the AHL game. So when I got up there. I just 
starting to gain some confidence with the first couple skates, and I was feeling good. Uh, got a couple of good line mates that we stuck with the whole year, which helps a lot. And uh, sometimes just when you get in a groove, things are going your way, you're getting bounces. I've always said you got to be good to be lucky and lucky to be good. So um, I thought I got some good bounces this year and things kind of went my way, but uh, I also put the work in over over the COVID break and it was a longer break. I, I felt like I really did what I had to do to get my game to that level. So um, I put a lot, of, a lot of pride, a lot of effort into what I do and uh, I'm just happy it, it paid off this year. But now it's just another step. Did you feel like you had any rust built up on you from that time off? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Like, when you're not playing games and you just kind of go to summer skates and you're doing a lot of drills, a lot of practices, a lot of lifts. Like, it's, it's different once you get into an actual game. But my mindset was everyone's in the same boat. Everyone's had to deal with it. So whoever's putting in the most work, outside of the game and you know really taking care of themselves they're gonna have an advantage and all the upper hand and I thought I did a really good job of that and I think it just paid off you killed it out of camp you made the team and then uh, COVID kind of threw a curveball at you and sent you right back down again uh, did you feel like you kind of got robbed of the opportunity or do you feel like that's just kind of the way as it was no I think that's just just the way it was, I I was on the opening roster. Um, never got to play a game, but it was it was more like guys were out with COVID and um, they didn't really know how the lineup was gonna look moving forward. So yeah, I was grateful for the opportunity and and I used that time up there to to learn and to develop my game even more, but. I sort of had a feeling that I was I was going to go back down eventually. Um, I had a good camp, but I knew I needed to develop my game game a little bit more. And going back down was was a good step for me. I think you know, having the year that I did, getting to play um, a lot of games and, and a lot of minutes was really good for my development. So um, I trust what they're doing. I, I'm, I'm a big believer in trusting the process and just. Uh, going through whatever they want me to. What was it like learning from uh, a veteran center such as Sagan, whereas you're a, a young, studded uh, centerman? Uh, they teach you anything that you found was very practical, very helpful? Yeah, they're always, uh, they're always giving tips to the younger guys and, and uh, helping them out with, with certain things and trying to develop their game, so... Um, to have everything they throw at you through uh, the weeks of camp and practices and work and lifts, you, you just kind of, you got to be a sponge. You got to just soak everything in and um, just be able to use it in different aspects. So hearing from those guys, hearing from guys that have done it and guys that have had long careers in the NHL, it's, it's nice and it's, it's reassuring that, you know, they believe in you and there's a lot of people that believe in, in what you do. So. As long as you put that work in personally, there uh, should be a problem moving forward. Um, in your in your estimate, how long do you think you'll be until you get up to the bigs? 
I think I'm having a good summer right now, putting the work in, putting the weight on, getting stronger, developing my games in areas where I didn't think it was it was uh, at a high level. So once I round out my game a little bit more, um, I want to have a good camp and, and just go from there. A lot of people have been asking me, because uh, I'm not very good at calculations, uh, based on your statistics, what were your points per game this year? This year? That was a point per game. That okay. I had 36 points in 36 games. That's insanity. Uh, what's what's your, been your favorite moment uh, so far from the community now? season from point to bow to um, uh, shield um, was that a bit of a, a bit of a contest for you guys well uh, every guy that came in you know did his job um, I think coach had a lot of tough decisions with who was gonna start each night and, and then when you got the NCAA guys coming in are you gonna give him a chance do you ride with your with your goalie that you've had for most of the year. Um, and then there's COVID things where one goalie has to go up to taxi squad. And it was just, you know, we knew we were going to have a guy that is going to put his best before and play really well for us. And that it didn't matter if it was who it was. I think we have four different goalies that started for us this year at some point. And all of them, you know, were, were really high level goalies. And, uh, could have been, they could have been starters on, on any team. So it's just, it's all about opportunity. And some guys took their opportunity to the next level. And that's just, you know, how it is. What's it like playing with such a smooth, uh, fast passing defense and then Thomas Harley? Harles is great. Um, the way he just slows down the game and, uh, you know, makes really crisp plays. It's you know what he's gonna do, and you know how he's gonna do it, and how he's gonna execute it. So he's one of those guys that when you're on the ice with him, you just gotta kind of get open or, or get in the puck. And he likes to do his own thing. He's a little more offensive, but you know he's always gonna be back and, and make plays. So 
he makes the game really easy on the guys that he's on the ice with for sure. Riley Tufty was on your on your power play line quite a bit. Um, how much of an impact did he have, and what do the boys think when he's back there? Tufts is a uh, he's a big boy. Um, he, uh, he plays the game really physical, big power forward. Uh, when his feet are moving and he's driving the net, uh, he's damn near impossible to stop. So. Um, he's, he's a smart player. He plays the game at a really high level, at a really high pace, and, and he's a competitor. So when he's net front for us on the power play, or uh, when he's opening up space for other guys, it's great for especially smaller guys like me. Uh, you know, he kind of frees up the ice for you, and uh, he's an easy guy to play with for sure. How would you describe your game? Would you consider yourself more of a playmaker? Are you a sniper? Are you a, uh, a corner grinder? Uh, I'd like to say I'm, I'm a playmaker. Uh, I'm definitely a pass-first guy. Um, I, I'll obviously shoot if I have to, but uh, I like to make, make that nice play. And, uh, yeah, I just go from there, but I also, I'm not backing down from anybody corners, even though I'm a smaller guy, I can't back down from any of that stuff, I just try to round out my game really well. A lot of your, lot of your goals were high percentage chances uh, from in tight by the net, uh, what was what was your mindset when you're up, when you're in front of the net like that? You're not going to score if you don't get to the net, um, most goals get scored in pro, like, from inside the hash marks. So if you're scared to get into that area, if you're scared to beat a guy to that area, you're not going to score. It's pretty simple. And, you know, the odd time or a lot of the highlights that you'd see on, on uh, you know, different sports outlets are this nice dangle or this great snipe from, like, the top of the circles. But it's not always like that. It's hard nose, it's a hard nose game and there's a lot of deflection goals, there's a lot of jamming goals and that's how you score at the next level and I knew that going into it and I think my coaches, you know, helped me out with that too. So getting to the net was a big thing for me and I knew I wasn't gonna score if I didn't really get inside and, and get to the net. So that was kind of my mindset with that. Um, your coach was brand new coming into the season. What was it like uh, playing under him? He was great. He's a very uh, high-energy guy. He, he's a player's coach. He, he brings out the best in the guys. He knows what to say in, in certain situations. He doesn't really let you get down on yourself. And that's good for, especially for younger guys like me. It's just, you know, having that reassurance from your coach that, Okay, he believes in, in what I'm doing, and uh, he, he trusts me to, to do certain things. It's, it's a little bit of a confidence booster, so um, I definitely think that was, that was an advantage having him. Draft day was definitely a big moment for you. Uh, what was your uh, feelings as more and more rounds passed on and you still weren't uh, selected yet? Uh, did you ever have a feeling well, maybe I'll be back next year and I'll be drafted then. 
see something special in you and everyone else does as well. We hope to see you up in the big time soon for sure. And uh, you're an exciting player to watch. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, what's it like being on the power play as opposed to 5 on 5? I love power plays. They're, so, they're like, you know, you get to set up, you get a little more time with the puck. You get to make like know some higher risk plays that you don't really get away with five on five so um yeah I, I like you know being in control on the power play and just being able to see what's going on and, and make plays through that and it's like you also don't get hit as much when you're on the power play which is nice but uh yeah other than that it's, it's still you still gotta make high level plays you still gotta get Get stuff done. Uh, 53 overtime can be a very pressurous situation for most, uh, but you seem pretty calm and collected. Uh, what's your thoughts on always going into situations such as the those? Going into what situation? Sorry. Three on three overtimes. Oh, I love it too. It's, you know, you got a lot of ice to work with. Uh, you can make some, some plays. You can stay a little more composed. It's it's definitely nerve-wracking going out there. Because when you're playing three-on-three, three, most of the time you're playing man-on-man. Man. And if you lose your guy and he ends up scoring, that's on you. And, you know, a lot of guys don't, don't want to own up to that. So you just got to kind of play smart, keep your guy in front of you. Um, don't let anything kind of squeak by and just... You know, just just keep it simple. What is your pre-game uh, scenario for games? Like rituals? Yeah. Um, I don't have too, too many. Um, home games, I like each pull-away. Um, just like for lunch. Kind of helps me go to sleep after my pregame nap, but <laughs> I'm a long nap guy. I like to sleep for three, four hours before getting to the rink. Um, it's just like kind of ride with it. Uh, coffee before games for sure. Uh, later in the year, I started to mix in Red Bulls before the game as well, which you know gets the energy up and then. Once you're in the game, adrenaline kind of takes over. But uh, another weird one I do right skate before left. Just something I've always done. Not too sure why. Um, but yeah, I had a couple handshakes with the guys that we do beforehand. But 
If anything got, you know, thrown off, I wasn't very superstitious. I was just like, I like to have a routine in what I did, but I wouldn't call it superstitions, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, who would you, would you say is the best dressed? Best dressed? Probably my roommate, Dawson Berto. He had a couple nice suits. Him or uh, Ty Felber. Everyone's calling you and um, Maya the power couple. How do you feel about that one? I'm good with that. For a power couple, she kind of carries me a little bit, but yeah, I'm still alright with that. <laughs> uh, Who would you say is the, the biggest jokester in the room? Jokester has to be Ty Felber. Fell, he's a he's a really funny guy. He's always got something going on. Uh, who do you think has the strangest superstition that you've seen? Um, I'm not sure. There's, there's a couple guys that you know are very superstitious with what they do, how they tape their stick, yeah. what music they listen to. And, you know, everyone's got their different thing. They kind of get some gold, get some in the game. So uh, I can't really point out one that's that really stands out from this year. But yeah, you you, you can see it. You know, in a lot of guys. Every player has a player they fear to go against. They find them to be a real challenge. They find them to be an over overworker for your for their side. Who would you say is yours? Hardest guy to play against. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I I kind of go into into every game with with certain guys that you look at on their roster that you're like, I might want to steer clear him a little bit, or you know their, their penalty minutes are up a little higher. They hit really hard. Uh, but it, it's there's guys like that everywhere. I think if you're scared of them and you're going to back down and they know that, they'll take advantage of it and it'll just make it even worse. So I try not to back down for anyone, but um, Cody McLeod's a pretty scary guy to play against. The NHL draft is only a few hours away. I got Owen Power <coughs> going number one. Who do you think is going to go number one? Uh, I would say Owen. Go number one. I skated with him last year. He was just like stand out. He's a really, he's a really tall. And that was a year ago, so who knows how, how much his game's developed now. He's a really tall dude. Yeah, he's a big guy too on the back end. Um, if you could compare your game to an NHL player, who would you compare it to, and why? Um, probably a very like a. JG Pajot type player. Um, more of a pass first guy. Plays with some crit. Plays up the middle. He's not the biggest guy, but you know, he's not backing down from anybody. Gets to the dirty areas and, and just kind of does his job all around the ice. So that's definitely a player comparison of mine. What would you say is your bigger bigger threat? Your legs or your hands? 
probably my legs. I don't have very good hands. I don't know, some people try to tell me I do. Uh, I don't see it. I'm more of a make a pass, get open for another pass. You know, I'm a, I'm a pass and go type guy. I'm not, not really a toe drag or uh, under the stick, dipsy doodle kind of guy. So I'd, I'd have to say my legs. Would you say it's your strongest part of your game? Your breakout, your, uh, your driving to the net, the corner dig, or your dangling? Um, I'd like to say, like, just, like, the breakout, breaking the puck out, making, like, making crisp plays, moving up ice. I think that's a real advantage of mine. You, you can really go with with a lot of those, like, a couple of those, because, you know, I like to drive the net, I like to, you know, drop the shoulders, just a little, a little tougher for a guy my stature, but, um, I think the, the biggest advantage of my game is being able to make that, that quick first play and, and kind of get open for another one. I would definitely say, for most people, they would say, guy, your height, that would be, your, the height would be a disadvantage, whereas... I think of a player like Marty C. Louis, where he found to use his height as an advantage. Would you say yours is an advantage? Um, I wouldn't say it's necessarily an advantage. Um, I'd prefer to be six one or six two, but I don't. I don't dwell on my size. I don't wish I was taller. I just. I just. You know, roll with it. I'm, I'm not going to back down from anyone. So, uh, as long as I, I play hard-nosed and uh, do my job, I, I don't think size will really be an issue. I think if, if you're working hard and, and you're getting stuff done on the ice, then size isn't all that important. When you play video games against, against your teammates, who is the best one out of that group?
first time I met her was actually at a hockey rink. And we were really young. This would have been grade eight, grade nine. You know, kind of in between that. And, you know, I thought she was a really pretty girl. I, you know, kind of shot my shot, if you, if you would say. I got her number from a friend. Just started talking to her. Then, you know, when you're younger, you end up going to the movies and doing a couple different things. And, and we just kind of hit it off. And as I was sure dating, uh, long time ago now, I'd say six, seven years ago. Six, seven years ago now. So that's wild. That's uh, that's a real one there to go that yeah, long she's, these days. She's great. Sounds like it was a meant-to-be story. Yeah, you can say that. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, you don't play goalie, but you, you get a few tips here and there, I'm sure, from the, from the guys in the room there. Uh, what do you got? Any tips for a goaltender who's been off for two years now? Uh, get bigger equipment. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh... study goalies and I like to try and like break them down, see where I can beat them, but um, the goalies that are tougher to play against for me are, are guys that are big and aggressive. I think an aggressive goalie is, is tough to beat because point blank there's not not much room to shoot at and you can get athletic with it, with being aggressive. You can make it back to the back door and, and make those bigger saves, it's really tough to be. You see it with Vasilevsky and the best goalies in, in the world. Price, Vasilevsky, you see with these guys where they get really aggressive and they're big, so they're hard to beat point blank, and then they also have the athleticism to get to the back door and make the, make the back door saves as well, so that would be my only advice. Get the athleticism up, get moving, also get aggressive. The Maple Leafs, they got a good team going. Uh, but what do you think they got to do to get over that so-called hump that everyone just keeps on mentioning every single year? Uh, I don't know. Um, I think you just see you got to have depth in your lineup, in your game, and you need everybody going at, at all times, especially in the playoffs. You, you don't have, you know, one line going, a couple guys going. It makes it a lot tougher because, you know, your fourth line has to be their fourth line. And your third line has to be their third line. That's how playoffs works. It's, it's all about the depth. And um, I think teams with the best depth go really far in the playoffs. That's Lesky. Tough to beat. What makes him so... So accidentally tough to beat. Montreal had the firepower, but couldn't find the back of the net. Yeah, he's just, he's big, and he's really athletic. Like I was saying, he, if you're athletic like that, you know, you see a lot of goalies that are athletic, but don't really have the size. They're usually a smaller goalie that moves around like he does, but he's, I don't know, 6'1", 6'2". You'd have to check how big he is. Over 200 pounds. He's he's a really big.
ability is just so tough to beat. Seattle didn't take Gary Price. Are you surprised? No, not surprised. I they don't they don't want to carry his eleven ten and a half million dollars till he's thirty seven. I don't think it's I don't think it was smart for them. I think they have really good goaltending. And I think they're gonna go with like a one two with their goalies instead of a, a main starter. So we'll see. Um are you ever so talked about sophomore slump? Um you're coming into yours. Uh I personally think it'd be just fine. But other people seem to think that it happens to most, uh, where they get they had an incredible first year or whatever they call it, and then they kind of just dip down a little. How do you how do you feel about the term sophomore slump? Do you think it'll be an effect for you, or do you think you're gonna go above and beyond than more people think sophomore slump carries? No, I I don't think I don't think I'm not even worried about it. I know I'm putting in putting in the work and. Uh, give myself a really good chance to have another good year. So um, I know a lot of people say that. A lot of people get complacent after having a good year. I think I'm right now I'm pushing even harder than I did before. So um, definitely not going to get complacent, not going to get, you know, comfortable uh, with what I'm doing. Better to be, I would say, get, uncom- get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And it's when you do that, you can kind of adjust and, and get better in all aspects of your game. So, uh, only ways up. Uh, players like to predict how many points to get in the season. How many? How well do you think you're gonna do this year? I don't. I don't guess numbers. I don't set like really expectations like that. Um, it all depends. You know, injuries. Uh, time on ice. There's a lot of factors that that go into stuff like that. And I just I know if I'm working hard and, and doing things right that I have a chance of being in the lineup every night. And the more I'm on the ice, the better chance I have of, of putting up points. So as long as I'm putting the work in, you know, points will come. It's not it's not the main thing that I'm focused on. I'm I'm more focused on you know helping the team and being a good team guy, finding my role within a team, and, and executing it at a high level. Everyone knows through your days you got the ability to be the captain, and you could be someday. Uh, do you think within a couple of years you'll be the next uh, captain of the Texas Stars? Uh, I'm not sure. I have no idea. Usually NHL captains are uh, older veteran guys, and I'm not sure. We'll have to see, I guess. Uh, the, another big topic for uh, Stars fans, Bishop or Hudobin. Uh We all know about Bishop's injury history, but he feels he can come back stronger than ever, but that's a big, big-ass question mark for me. Uh, who do you think will be, the, will be the starter? Will be Bishop again, or are they going to go back to Dobby? I'm not sure. Uh, it depends on how Bishop comes in at camp. Uh, he's feeling, feeling well and, and up to it, I think. No, I, I think that's another good example of a one-two punch. I think goalies have a lot of strain throughout the year. 
and being able to have a guy that they rely on behind them is, is really good for a team. You see like a lot of teams that are successful, they, they run a one-two goalie system where some other teams that try to ride out their starter by the end of the year, he's, uh, you know, guys get burnt out. It's, it's tough to play every other night and it's a lot on the body. So I think having the, the one-two punch in that is, is a big advantage. Pierre McGuire, he has been signed with Ottawa Senators. And according to Dorian, he'll be the next gym in 18 months. Do you think that was a good move for Ottawa, or do you think Ottawa's going to go down the toilet now? I think he's a great hockey mind. I think he knows what he's talking about. And, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, kind of would butt heads with him when he was an analyst. But I think he knows the game really well. And, um, knows a lot of people within the game, so I think it's a good hire for for Ottawa. What would you say is your biggest pet peeve? Um, biggest pet peeve? I don't know. Um, one, one that's bad for me is like, Phone, like phones at, at dinner or, you know, like if I'm having a conversation with you or we're talking about something and, and you're on your phone, you know, like, like if you're like texting someone or scrolling through social media. As opposed to talking well, to you directly, yeah. As opposed to just having a conversation with the people around you, that one kind of bothers me. Ah, that's I, I get annoyed pretty easily about a lot of things. So, that's just one of them. Phones on dates, yay or nay? I hear a lot of people go, ah, it's a typical thing now. Phones on dates? Yeah. No. Like, the only, the only reason you should have it out is to, uh, like, if they have the online menu, They've been doing that with COVID now, so you have to scan the menu. That's the only time mine would be out. But my girlfriend, she likes to make TikToks and <laughs> likes to post stories, and I don't do that. <laughs> no, um, any tips for someone looking for a lady? I have a couple of friends who are asking me for tips, and I'm like, don't ask me for tips. I haven't had one in seven years. Be confident. Girls love confidence. Um, put yourself out there. You know, some if if a girl says no, I'm not into it. Fine, her loss. Not into it. That's okay. Like you gotta you gotta get out there. You can't just sit around waiting for waiting for a girl to just walk to your doorstep and say she's in love with you. That's not how it works. You got to go out. You got to uh, put yourself out there. I'm not a bar person, but a lot of people like to go to bars and pick up women. Uh, I'd say that's a big no, uh, just because they're a lot more fragile state there. Just a lot of them are drunk, uh, hammered there, and then you just take them home, and it's just like, 
what did, what did you just do? Uh, would you say a bar is a good way to go or, or a bad way to go? I think it all depends on what you're looking for. Um, you know, like, look at the way me and my, I, met, I met her at a hockey rink. You can, you can meet a girl anywhere. I knew her through friends. And we, we met there at the hockey rink, first time I ever met her. It was easy to make conversation because I, I was a hockey guy, so I kind of knew, and it, it's just, you know, it all depends. Some people will meet their soulmates walking through the grocery store, and some will meet them at the bar drinking with all their friends. It all depends on, you know, timing in life, and wherever you are, you can meet anyone anywhere. So, um, if you're interested in, in meeting a lot of girls or trying to, then you go somewhere where there's more girls, which would be like a bar or somewhere like that. But if you're just like, you know, you see, you see a cute girl at the grocery store when you're out, Whatever you gotta do, put yourself out there. That's kind of just uh, how it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what was it like living in uh, another person's home throughout all your all your years of junior? Well, I loved them. They were like second family to me. Took care of me. Made great food. Um, I got along with their kids very well. They're like siblings to me, so it was it was great. Um, I still keep in touch with them. Still go visit them all the time. So, um, yeah, some people have a bad experience with uh, with Junior and their billets. But I uh, I didn't have that. I had really good billets where we got along all the time and. There's never any issue with food or arrangements or anything like that. So, any tips for players coming up from AAA to the juniors and what the Billet family is like? I'd say like be honest with your billets, follow their rules because they can easily go to your GM or your coach. And um, you know, I think in junior they teach you a lot about respect and. Um, you know, being a good person versus always just being a great player. And your billets are the ones that see you the most and the ones that know how, how you are as a person. And, you know, that that can really affect even your hockey game because that can get you out of, out of the lineup. And uh, it's just, you know, not good. Um... What would you say? Um, oh, okay. What would you say was your least favorite thing to do for, for for the team itself? Because players get told you're on contract. This is what you gotta do as a part of your contract. I don't really have any complaints with that. I feel like you know I, I'm not really restricted in what I do. I think like I can still do things that I want to do out, outside the game, like still go out with friends, still do all that kind of stuff. It's just like 
restriction area like some games you do play some games you don't play some games you get less mad some games you get more whereas the AHL is kind of more free roam and you're in the lineup about every night as long as you as long as you're producing yeah sometimes it's like you know I never really had a stage in, in my career where I was getting scratched and then back in the lineup it wasn't really in and out but with the ice time and, you know, some nights you'd play 17, 18 minutes, and then the next day you'd only play seven or eight. And that's a big adjustment with, with what you're doing. Some guys take longer to get into the game. Some guys play better with more minutes. It's more just learning how to always be ready to go, whether you're going to play one shift or whether you're on every other shift. You gotta be able to pick yourself up and be able to go every time you get that chance, or else they won't keep coming. If you don't execute what you're supposed to do in that time that you're given, you're not gonna get that time again. You need to work for that time. So you gotta take advantage of, of those opportunities. What was it like in the uh, OHL final? Playing against the Glove Storm, but unfortunately, coming obviously, you guys came up on the losing end. Uh, what was the mind of a matter in that series that won or done it all? You think? In the series that we lost to the Sioux. The Sioux, yeah, sorry. Um, oh, so close. We were, we had such a good team. They were just such a skilled team, and you know we were deep enough to. I think beat them, and it came down to one fluke goal in a game seven double overtime. Like it, it, it was disappointing, but we knew we, it could have went either way. Just matter of balances, you know. We battled out a game six win the night before, and then we we have to get on. We actually flew because we played the next day into the Sioux and played game seven on barely any sleep, an early flight, and they were in the same boat. They did the exact same thing we did. So it was, it was a fair playing field, and going into, like, double overtime, like, you can't even breathe properly. Like, at this point, it's like everything's cramping up, down on yourself, like, it's not, it's not good. So, you know, you just battle for every little bounce, and we knew it was going to be a goal like that. Like, it wasn't going to be a highlight reel goal where it was yeah, shown everywhere. It was just like, uh, it was going to be a little fluke goal, and they ended up getting it before we did. Uh, what was the mindset in between the two overtimes? Uh, what did you guys do to stay awake, per se? We ate. A lot of guys were really hungry because you eat pregame like six hours before the game. So, once you get through, like, even between the second and third period, you're hungry. Like, you can feel it a little bit. You need, like, a little bit of a, a protein bar or, you know, something to kind of pick you up. At least I'm like that, and I know a lot of other guys are too. And so we are all really hungry. Like, we're eating, like, Gatorade bars and energy bars just to 
you know, kind of keep the keep the fuel that you needed, and then we were on very high, like, hydration, like, just full water bottles in between, guys were cramping up, you gotta try and get, like, salt, you, you have to try and get, like, anything to, to relieve cramps, and it, it was tough, like, it wasn't a lot of talking, it was more just get your body right to be able to play, you know, four more shifts each, because you can't, you're not, like, just playing your first and second line. Like, you need to play everyone at that point. Everyone's just so tired. You need to win your matchup against the line you're against. A lot, oh, man, a lot of double shifting, for sure. I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, what's the average, like, development time for a player like yourself to get up to the big time usually? Cause I know I know it varies, but like, what would you think the average is, like, age-wise? I'm not sure. You know, some guys take a year, some guys take three years. Um, some guys go right away. It all depends on on the plan that each team is, like has set out for that player. And I think that they they all got different timelines on different guys, and it's ultimately you know their decision on whether you play or not, and just whatever they think, you just got to keep working, keep working as hard as you can, and and hopefully get the call. When you, when you got the call from Dallas, because every player gets the call, what was, it, what was your reaction, what, what, did, what did it feel like? Well, I haven't really, I haven't gotten the call to play yet, so. No, the draft is. That's what I'm waiting on. The draft, I was there. It was, uh, it was cool, like, it was in Dallas, too, so, it was kind of like a hometown draft, and there's a couple people cheering, and, you know, like, there's a little bit of interest in, in me getting picked there, so, I thought it was nice, and then you just go down, you do media, um, and you're just kind of, like, overwhelmed, you don't really know what, what's going on, what you're saying, like, it's like the big league, so, um, it was, it was fun. It was a great experience, for sure. Everyone gets that ever-so-exhilarating first famous person call. Who was the first person to call or text you? Um, well, my, my girlfriend was texting me, like, the whole time, and right away, right when she saw it, I was just freaking out, and I was with my parents, so... Your dad, um, was, your dad was in the bathroom, right? My dad was in the bathroom. <laughs> my parents were there. So, I got to see my mom first, my agent. I saw my dad when I was already on the floor of, like, the draft. And he's waving at me with his hands up in the air, like, oh, maybe I messed up. But, <laughs> like, whatever. It was funny. I, I love that story. I think it's hilarious. Like, I, I think it's, it just, like, describes, you know, my family and, Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. How my parents are just like goofy. Like, oh, well, it happens. You're not gonna get mad about it. No. Like, I don't get mad about stuff like that. You I know? remember um, to the least, uh, Mitch Marner's mom had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> she missed his call. Yeah, it's just like it, it happens. <laughs> you know, they were nervous. Yeah, for sure. Um. Um, 
what's your more favorite part of the game? Do you like to go back on duty at, at all? Because I know a lot of forwards, that's a very crucial part of the game. Um, what's it like to, tra to transfire, transpire over from forward back to duty when doing that? I've always been a 200-foot player, so I don't mind going back in the D zone. I, I take pride in it. I, I don't want to get scored on. I don't want to be the guy that's that's responsible for, you know, a loss or um, giving up a goal against my team. I feel like that's letting my team down. So it's just a pride thing, you know, being able to uh, step up and just play in that defensive role and be able to, to stop their, them from scoring. Like, that's one of, like, the main points of the game. So I just, like, take pride in it and... I feel like if, if I'm getting scored on and, and I'm a minus on a night, I, I gave one up for the whole team. And um, it's not just on me, it's a, it's a responsibility that you take for the whole team. Yeah, it, uh, when you, I wouldn't necessarily say it feels like a burden, but to some it feels like a heavy feeling. Would you describe it as a heavy feeling if that one gets by you, even though you may know, oh, well, there wasn't a much of a chance I could have had on that play? Yeah, exactly. Like, if you lose if you lose your guy because you're more focused on playing offense, I think that's, you know, like, a bad thing to do to the rest of your team because they're putting their best foot forward. They're picking up that guy. They're not focused on just points and scoring and offense. Obviously, that's more fun to do, but you need to do the hard work in, in the D zone first to get there. Um... What was, what was your favorite line to play on? You're mostly with Maskern and Tufty, but uh, who was your favorite line to play with? I was, for most like the second half, I was more with Maskern and Baptiste, and that was a fun line to play with. I think me and Mash like, just knew each other and were able to, you know, play with that chemistry, and then Baptiste came in, same thing. He was get open all the time in front. He'd, he'd win a lot of puck battles. He's a bigger guy. He'd hit guys for us. It, it just made us feel like more comfortable, you know, making higher risk plays with him out there. So I thought we blended really well. Would you guys, would you consider yourselves the dynamic, dynamic duo? Because some people would say he's the Batman, you're the Robin. Or who, who would you say is which one? <laughs> uh, we, well, we would always talk because uh, we'd always have a debate dynamic duos in the NHL and there's you know McDavid and Dreisaitl there's Marner Matthews there's you know a lot of dynamic duos and that play together all year like Matt and Sagan they're a dynamic duo and we'd always have the debate on who who's the best dynamic duo and who's going to take over the league and and then it became well me and Mash were playing well and We'd have a lot of points together, or we'd make plays together, and then my roommate started calling us a dynamic duo, <laughs> and that's kind of how, how that transpired, but we just, I don't know, things, I'd get a bounce, and it would just have him involved, and it would just be, you know, how we kind of rolled through games, and it was working, so we just kind of, kind of rolled with it. I would, I'd like to be a part of a dynamic duo. I think it's it's cool, but 
you know, I think Downs is just kind of both went our ways. Well, that's about all the time we got, uh, everybody. Uh, Riley, thanks for being on the show. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me.